Hello, podcast listeners. Today I'm going to share a little bit of a story. Uh, There's something I've been hearing a lot of lately from small business owners, particularly those who are very new. So those who are looking for the first few people to serve, the early adopters, they're called. So I'm going to run through this in a story. I hope there's some great insights for you here if this is you. Uh, If you're a little further along and you're looking to expand and grow and you're kind of seeing a bit of a plateau this could also be relevant so stay tuned thanks so much for joining me this is john marsh you're listening to the access potential podcast so it was early 2010 and i was in the second year of owning a retail store a running specialty shoe store. So I've talked a little bit about this before. I'd come out of corporate in engineering 2008. I had a part-time job in a retail store through 2009. I basically walked up to a guy, asked him for a job. He was moving stores and I, I saw I could be of service and help him move boxes. He said yes, which was amazing and basically put me to work. Uh, through osmosis, I learned about sales, how to kind of work with the customer and service the customer, which was in hindsight, a really, really valuable time. Anyway, eventually I opened up a, another store and worked hard at this for the first year and basically had a limited run of shoes on the wall. I think there was like 12 or 15 different models, which is nothing, and went direct to podiatrists, osteos, um, healthcare professionals to get these early adopters and, and work with them to get referrals slowly slowly grew the stock slowly slowly grew the awareness grew the store 12 months in we were profitable the business was doing really well i was working a lot but i was also able to train i was training for triathlons at the time and i had a manager in the goal was to have the store under management in 12 months and at that time i think 12 months in i was over in french polynesia for a month off with the holiday uh, you know, and with Ruby, we were sitting there in the tropics and the store was being managed uh, and it was great. So all was well. Then I come back and I'm in the store working one day and I, you know, done my bike ride in. I'm sitting there, you know, a bit of quiet time cleaning up the shop and I get a phone call and this guy's on the other line. He goes, he's really short. And he goes, Hey, can I use these Kudo vouchers in your store? And I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. I think I was like, I think you've got the wrong number. And he says, no, no, I bought these Kudo vouchers online, $50 voucher for $100 of store credit. Uh, can I use it at your store? And we often had people ask about this. Uh, can I can I use a voucher at the different store, that kind of thing? And what we would do is reconcile the difference. So it would we would service it to, to help the customer and then we would work it out um, behind the scenes basically. To, to reconcile it between the two stores. And I said, I, I don't know about these vouchers. I'm going to have to give you a call back. So I give the other store a call and I say, hey, what's up with these vouchers? Uh, someone rang and they want to use a voucher, which is $50 for $100 worth of store credit. And he said he, he heard about it on the radio. And the guy goes, look, uh, yeah, I've been talking to uh, these people from Kudo, which is the voucher company, about doing a campaign on the radio. And I said, okay, tell me more. And he said, well, you know, the, the idea is that we'll get a lot of traffic. 
a lot of people will find out about the store. I thought it'd be really good, especially, uh, you know, up at your store because there'll be less people know about it. It's newer. And I said, okay. I said, do you realize this is effectively uh, like two plus two equals five? Like as in this, this doesn't make sense mathematically. We're going to lose money on each of these vouchers. And he, he said, yeah, you know, sometimes stores will do what's called a loss leader and they'll stock a product at a loss in order to get traffic or they'll, you know, run a campaign that might be at a loss in order to get traffic. I said, yeah, well, how many of these have you sold? I've gotten a couple of calls now. And he said that the cap was at 2000 vouchers and we were, we were already close. And so I, I got off the phone. I said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help service these vouchers, but I can't really wear this loss. And I said, this is $200,000 worth of stock that we've effectively sold, lost, you know, instantly. But we're only looking at a, an incoming revenue on that of around 60K because the voucher took a big chunk of that $50 anyway. Uh, so this meant an instant, based off of you know what were pretty meager um, retail markups back then, uh, an instant loss of like sixty to eighty thousand instantly, as soon as these vouchers had sold, uh, as long as they were redeemed, obviously, plus the inevitable ongoing losses because of brand of um, loss of stock, and we'll get to this in a second, but there was going to be ongoing losses as well. And so if you, you know, if you know retail, like, you know, when you're young, first first year, two years, you're not on a huge margin. So things are, things are lean. So the store was profitable. It's not, it's tight, right? So anyway, in the next two weeks, I had friends, family in this little store with me hustling. And we're hustling because people are coming through and we've got a lot going on. They're carrying these vouchers with them. And there was no limit to how many they could buy. Some people turned up with like $800 worth of vouchers that they may have paid $400 for. And they were buying, you know, $600 watches, uh, all sorts of stuff. And they knew the stock because they had seen it on the website. So they just came straight in, um, often driving from two hours away, got the stock and left and just gave us the vouchers. And so... Obviously, on the other side, this was super testing. I was stressed. I was frustrated. Uh, we were literally just firing boxes of stock shoes out the door and trying to keep up with orders. Then, you know, a, a long, a long time loyal customer would come in and we'd want to service them as well. But then we would be low on stock because we just lost it all because these vouchers. Then we were frustrated. Then I'm trying to just sell anything. Right, so someone would come with vouchers and they wouldn't know what shoes they wanted. And so I would I would look and we would have no stock. So I'd be shuffling around trying to find some some old stock, some old assets or something and sell those. I was selling, basically got to the point where I was selling anything I could just to get rid of these vouchers. And then I'd have a rubber band wrapped up around them. I'd have this stack of vouchers at the end of the day and basically no cash through the door. Uh, so this was bad. And as you can sense, this stress got to me, my service, our service as a store, as a business went through the floor, uh, customers were short with us. We were short with these customers who we didn't know. We were never going to see them again. And this opens up the, the door to the worst part of the whole thing is that these, the people bless them were not our tribe. They were voucher, 
voucher hunters. They trolled, they, they, they frequented these voucher sites to pick up the deals. So they were bargain hunters. They came from hours away, most of them. And we typically serviced a hardcore group of, you know, runners, triathletes, multi-sport athletes who were keen on the product. They knew our level of service. They knew our expertise and they worked with us to find the best solution. They were willing to pay a slight premium to get this. Whereas the people with the vouchers, they didn't even care. They wanted the deal, then they wanted to go home. And we were never going to see them again. And they didn't appreciate the level of service anyway. So it built this really unhelpful narrative with us, with the staff, very, very quickly. Uh, and also built this narrative against the voucher company, which didn't help as well. Because obviously we did want to get some some amount of cash back, which wasn't happening anytime soon. So it was a super stressful time. Uh, we got more traffic. Okay, so that's one thing I want to point out. The store got foot traffic. If you're in retail, you know that this is a good thing. You're looking for foot traffic, right? And my store made it through. Uh, I shuffled stock around. We did, you know, we reconciled between the other store. Eventually, this kicked, this did kick off a string of events. Eventually, the other store uh, closed. So it was not a good time. And this opens up this conversation around traffic and allows us to talk about traffic. This allows us to talk about being seen. This allows us to talk about this concept of trying to grow your audience. Uh, and of course, this opens up the door to talk about hey, my social media isn't going well, people aren't following me, people aren't liking my stuff, and I can't get clients, right? So this is where we get to circle back around to this concept of the early adopters and mattering to a few, okay? So we we often have this narrative around more. We want more, we want more cash flow, we want more engagement, we want more views, we want more traffic, more leads, more, 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 more shares, more saves, more sends, more comments, more engagement. Why can't more people just find me? Why can't more people just hire me, right? What if we flip this whole narrative, right? And if you look around, you look on social, you look at, you talk to people, you'll hear this narrative come through. Oh, not many people engage, not many people. And it, it'll be subtle, but you'll hear this everywhere. So what if you flip this narrative the other way? What does it really look like to really, really, really matter to just a few people, right? To just a few people. This takes me back to, you know, when we lived on the boat, we were in this uh, atoll. It was called Beverage Reef. Atoll just, it, it was an, an empty reef with no land sitting in the middle of the ocean between Tonga and Rarotonga. Because there's no land, nobody lived there. Because nobody lived there, the fish have never seen people. Because the fish have never seen people, they're incredibly ballsy. Uh, they'll eat anything. The fishing is amazing. It's almost, it's it's too easy. It's too good of fishing. So you get your food straight away and then you're done. Anyway, my little sister and I, we wanted to catch these particular fish, these little GTs, giant trevallies. And we didn't want other fish to, ca to take the lure. And that's what was happening. Sharks would come in, everything else. So we ended up stripping the lure back to just an empty hook and a sinker. We'd throw that out there. And just the GTs would bite it. They would pick it up off the sand and we would be able to selectively get these this one type of fish. And this is what we were talking about. It's like, okay, 
as a small business, especially if you're brand new, you're a coach, you're a trainer, healthcare, health and wellness practitioner, what does it look like to really touch one person, to create a piece of content for one person, to have a conversation with one person, to enroll that one person on a, a possible future with you where you can help to transform their life using the skills, the tools, the things that you know, the ways of operating that you know to be of value. How does that feel? And what might happen if you really mattered to that one person to such an extent that they walked away and they had a story, they had something to tell their friends because it was such an experience, right? Now, the thing is, we recognize that to do this is going to be to also let go, right? It's going to require us to let go of this narrative of having to have this huge following or get all of these clients straight away. And it's going to ask us to focus our energy and attention and intention to these two, one, one, two, three people at the very beginning. So these are called the early adopters. Often when I work with a, a new business, the question is, where do, I, where do I find these people? Where do they hang out? Uh, how can we open up the conversations with them? How can I enroll them? And what kind of stories can I share with them to help enroll them into this little journey? If you're just starting out, you don't need traffic. It's not about traffic. It's not about getting lots of people because what happens is the people as a human, if I'm part of this traffic and I see you, I'm looking for a story. I'm looking for the story that builds trust. And the story I'm looking for is this person has already transformed somebody. This person has, has proven that the thing that they have is valuable. So even if you get a lot of traffic and you get an opportunity to stand up in the middle of 10,000 people, if you're brand new, you need to be able to tell a story. And that story is going to likely come from the transformation that you've helped make with somebody at the beginning, a singular person. So this is a concept called uh, that, that I refer to as trust trickles down. So if you want to work with a lot of people, you want to do a retreat, you want to do a group program, you want to take classes, whatever it might be, you want to open a gym, you want to do, you know, a big, uh, you know, a big summit for health and wellness, whatever it might be. We need to go to the stage one, right? So, so how you scale isn't how you start. We need to go back to the beginning. We, we look for these first few people. We talk to some individuals. We find these people and we build trust with them. We tell stories, we talk to them, we see if we can enroll them in where we want to go. This trust that we build with the first few people then trickles down to what can become a collective. The collective starts with the individuals. The collective doesn't come from thin air because there's no story to help to create the collective. So trust trickles down. We go to the, the early adopters, the first few, we enroll. This gives us opportunity to create change, which helps us to build a story. It helps those early adopters to also tell a story to their friends, which helps us to reach more individuals. 
From here, we earn the right to connect the individuals laterally and build something bigger if we want, something with lateral connection if we choose, right? It all comes back to the first few, mattering to the first few. Even back at the running store, the first few people, the early adopters, came from knocking on the doors of the podiatrists and sharing the story, which helped to enroll them in the journey. So they sent one or two people. These people were transformed. They then told their friends. And so we can grow. So mattering to a few is seemingly paradoxical. How do I grow if I'm only going to transform or work with one person? However, at the same time, you can see that if you go the other way, if you're looking over your shoulder at other people on social, seasoned uh, you know, professionals who have been in this game for a long time, and you're getting frustrated because you're not seeing traction, even though you're starting to put things out there, that that is only one side of the story, that communication is one part. And you can see that if, if you're spinning your wheels or if you're not feeling like traction is coming, that it it's because we need to resonate with a few people first and build up that backstory. So hopefully this is uh, potentially helpful. Uh, I think one of the big traps that we can all fall into is keeping up with the Joneses, is this, is social media, to be honest, because while it's a great platform for communication, it's very easy to fall into the comparison trap, to look at others, to think of where you could be, should be, um, are supposed to be, and contrast this to where you're at and get frustrated and then try to send out a different message to reach different people because you know, the first one didn't work, where really it might be a case of just opening up that conversation a little bit deeper with, you know, one or two people at the beginning. Because if there's, uh, you know, great work, great transformation over two, three, four, five weeks, whatever it might be, those one or two can tell two or three more, you know, and then all of a sudden we've got five or six. Uh, this can become 10, this can become 20 and then all of a sudden you might be looking at how to tweak or adjust your communication your platform whatever it is you're doing but you started because with those one or two and really mattering to one or two so that's the question what does it look like you know of course more can be great an audience will grow over time uh, but if you're feeling like wheels are spinning and things aren't where they, uh, you know, where you think they could be. What does it look like to matter to a few? Uh, to matter, to, to, to be indispensable, as, you know, Seth Godin would say, or to be uh, someone they cannot live without, to have a solution that is so important that they seek you out, that they tell others about you. What would that look like? What, what does that then mean you may need to do with your communication, with your service, with your offering, with your experience? Uh, how can you go deep enough to create that impact? That's it for today. A little bit of a thought, a little bit of a story, a little bit of a, a point of view on the social media wheel that can get a lot of people off track. Hopefully it's of, of use or of help to some people. If, you're, if you've grown, if you're you know further along and you've plateaued, it's exactly the same, right? So if, you, if the word is not spreading and you're hitting a, a flat spot, 
Well, okay, so what does it look like to matter even more to our tribe? What does better look like such that they might be able to create a story to then tell their friends? Have I given them language to help them tell their friends? Have I given them an opportunity to help me to spread the word about this business and the work that I do? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is John Marshall listening to the Access Potential podcast, and I'll see you on the next one.